Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today we are circling back to talk about anxious attachment style, so I highly, highly, highly suggest that if you have not listened to that episode yet, Managing an Anxious Attachment Style, I will leave the link in the show notes and make sure to listen to that as well as the All About Attachment episode. They are building on each other, so you definitely don't want to miss those preceding episodes. Today, we're going to talk specifically about triggers for anxious attachment style. I'm going to give you three key triggers to look out for to figure out how to manage and maneuver through so that you have less distress, less suffering, less issues in your relationships if this is what you are dealing with, okay? So, you know, someone with an anxious attachment style feels um, like they want to be connected, but they they worry that their partner or whoever, their friend, their boss, or whatever the case may be, not won't necessarily want them or doesn't necessarily need them or want them around. So, Three triggers for anxious attachment style that will inevitably kind of force someone into fight, flight, or freeze, right? We all have a tendency when one of our four major fears is triggered is to run, fight, or just stop, freeze. And it's natural. We're animals at the end of the day. However, it can become challenging in our relationships when we don't learn how these things play a role in how we interact and um, try to figure out a way to interact in a more healthy way for our relationship, if that makes sense. Everyone's relationship is going to look different, so um, you know you have to define that for yourself. But these are some general ideas, okay? Um, I want to make sure that we understand that this is all on a spectrum and that this is not all encompassing. These are just three of the potential triggers. Everyone, because of their life experiences, traumas, um, losses, all of that stuff is going to have different presentations of, you know, attachment in their lives. And so um, this is by no means an all-encompassing enc- all list, excuse me, but make sure that you do your research. Um I have been saying a lot to clients lately, you know, how much time do we spend focusing on learning about and educating ourselves on relationships, what they look like, what they can look like, what contributes to successful and healthy, happy relationships, and then using that as data to really figure out what we want our relationship to look like because we can't go based off of anyone else's definition at the end of the day. And I think that doing that really places limitation on us as far as being able to be happy with our own situations or satisfied or fulfilled with our own situations because we're looking over at someone else and saying, my life doesn't look like that. My relationship doesn't look like that. So uh, I do want to go off on that tangent real quick, empower you and challenge you to do your own research 
and read up on relationships. You know, when you're getting a job, you are looking into the company you're going to work for. When you are in school, you're reading books and things like that. So treat relationships the same way um, by you know, diving into the topic and um, asking questions, seeking answers, and you will find them. So the first trigger for someone who deals with an anxious attachment style is going to be, you know, when there's a perceived plan, perceived being the keyword, and things don't go as planned, then that has a tendency to hit the sore spot, right? trigger someone with an, an anxious attachment style. Why is that the case? Because what is anxiety? I think I have a, a podcast episode about that somewhere in the back in the beginning. Um, to me, anxiety is predicting negative outcomes in the future, which makes us nervous and worried. But when we get stuck in that place, it leads to anxiety, which is, you know, um, opens to the potential for paralysis because we can't move. We can't make any decisions. We feel scatterbrained. So what this might look like for someone is that if you guys had a date, you guys, I mean, meaning whoever (laughs) had a date and something came up, then that might trigger someone's fear of abandonment, rejection, judgment, failure, or not being enough. And that might make an anxious person start to spiral. And so what do I mean by that? Spiral, snowball, whatever term sounds um, like it resonates most with you is going to be, you know, the way that you want to see it. One thought leads to another very quickly. Sometimes it's called a downward arrow. I think that's from cognitive behavioral therapy. And so it's like, okay, well, we can't go to dinner tonight. They said they had to cancel. Well, what does it mean? Why did they cancel? Is it because of this or, you know, what happened? Did I say something? Maybe I should have, you know, not posted what I posted the other days. Are they mad because of last year when I said this, this, and that? I don't know. Well, maybe let me ask them. Let me ask them what's wrong. And then, you know, the anxious person might um, reach out to inevitably, right, seek reassurance. That's what we do when we are either reaching out in some way, shape, or form. Conflict intimacy is a way that we reach out for uh, reassurance. And so the anxious person is quick to is quick to ask for some reassurance, but how they do it isn't necessarily the most helpful way for the relationship because the other person might be like, I'm literally just tired. But the anxious person is like, are you mad at me? What did I do? Like, what's wrong? Is there something going on? Who are you with? What's, you know, what's happening? Um, Why didn't you text me back or all kinds of things, right? And so um, as the anxious person, one way to manage that, which is so much easier said than done, I will preface the tip with that, is to slow down, if not stop. Stopping might be harder than slowing down if you have a good habit of spiraling. I say habit because it's something that was formulated over time. and habits can be altered. Okay. So when you have the habit of spiraling, then the more you're able to understand what triggers you going into a spiral um, or downward arrow or the rabbit hole or a snowball, (laughs) um, the better able you are to hopefully interrupt that cycle. So you really want to slow down, if not stop, and Take a moment to observe what's going on in your mind, in your body. There might be physical responses um, and things that come up for you. And then 
figure out what can be done. What's the best approach at that time? If you need reassurance, I don't think there's anything wrong with needing reassurance. I think that there are more helpful and productive ways to to ask for or seek that reassurance in relationships. So saying, well, why didn't you text me back right away? What were you doing? Is it one way um, to get reassurance? Another way to get reassurance might be, hey, um, I missed you today. What did you have going on? Like, I don't know about questions. You might say, hey, I missed you today. You know, this is what I was doing. I was looking forward to hanging out with you, but, you know, I, I can't wait to till the next time I get to see you. Um, or you might ask if they're all right. Um, something that comes from a place of compassion, I guess, if that makes sense, as opposed to something that will feel like accusation. So you have to filter everything through the lens of the person that's receiving the message, if that makes sense. So I hope that that was clear enough. If not, let me know um, and I can get more clear if you like. Another thing that will trigger an anxious attached person will be um, thinking of all of the worst outcomes. So there might be things that someone could say, a friend or a partner or something like that, that will trigger someone who's anxious to start thinking about all of the what-if scenarios that could possibly occur. Someone texts so-and-so and you heard the phone go off and now, it might be a phone going off because this day and age, now um, the person's thinking, oh my gosh, who are they texting? Why are they... Why are they um, getting up right now? Why are they walking around? Like, why did they get up when they got the message? Or, And sometimes it's just coincidence. Sometimes these things just happen out of, um, by chance, you know, they might've been going to get a drink. They might've been going to fix their hair. Like who knows what, uh, but we make these assumptions around whether, uh, something really bad is going to happen. Relationships can withstand most things except for a threat to the relationship. If you have not listened to Relationships Are Hard, then you want to make sure to watch that TED Talk on YouTube by Stan Tatkin, Relationships Are Hard. And so um, if you've had a history of you know, dealing with infidelity, dealing with uh, mistrust, um, you know, anything along those lines, then it's going to have the potential to make someone anxious because we're going to think of the bad things that could happen in the future, i.e. being hurt, i.e. breaking up, um, losing someone, all that fun stuff. And the remedy for that is rough. It's You have to do your own work, right? So we have to get really honest with ourselves about where that comes from and why it's um, being perpetuated in our our process. Um, And really partnering, hopefully, with, you know, whoever you are um, interacting with to come up with a plan that works specifically for you. And so sometimes I'll tell couples to work on patterns of predictability if there's been some kind of infidelity so that they can feel like they know what's coming up, if that makes sense. And um, it may be, again, like that slowing down, that pausing and stopping if you're able to see what's happening. The more, I can't stress it enough, the higher the level of your self-awareness, the better position you're in to do something with what's going on and what you observe and what you see. Now, that doesn't mean that things are going to change overnight. You have to be committed to uh, the process and trying different things out and, you know, experiencing, you know, what would some would say is regression. But you'll also hopefully experience progress. 
okay? So that was the second thing. The last thing that can pretty much trigger um, an anxious attached person is a process of going over scenarios over and over and over and over again. So that might be um, playing things out in our minds. I call them like little movies. We might say, oh gosh, I have to tell so-and-so this thing. And then this is probably what they're going to say. And then, and then I'm going to probably say something like this. And, and then they're going to do this. And then they're, then I'm going to probably get so overwhelmed that I'm going to start crying. And then when I start crying, usually when I cry, they leave because they feel they can't handle with me crying. Like they, they don't like it. They've told me that they can't deal with it. And so we sit and we play these movies in our mind of what we think is going to happen. And that gets in the way of us just doing and being because then that informs how we end up interacting with the person it changes how we bring information to a person we can also use the past as our we'll say crystal ball to tell the future however i have not actually met anyone that can read minds legitimately or tell the future legitimately but we will use the past as a template for the future And that does us no good because when we do that, we pretty much rob ourselves of experiencing something new and different in the moment. Easier said than done. I absolutely acknowledge that it's a freaking process, (laughs) Um, but hopefully it helps to serve as, you know, information that supports you moving in the direction of understanding yourself better, of understanding those people around you better that may act um, similar to some of the things that I've mentioned in this episode. And we can hopefully support each other in collectively healing and collaborating to find solutions so that we have more satisfying, fulfilling relationships. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm always, you know, seeking to create content that's relevant and helpful and um, important for you and where you're at in your journey. So I want to hear from you, okay? I do want to say thank you to KM Lau, who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you. She said, thank you for this beautiful gift you are giving us. All of your caring thoughts, wise wisdom, and tools, as well as real advice is much appreciated and essential. You put my heart and others at ease. Helping start off my self-love routine, I recommend this podcast to everyone alive, open, and ready to live their life. Thank you, Jacent. Much, much love to you, sister. Keep shining, Gem. And you are a gem. I appreciate and care about you. And I will talk to all the rest of you, Gems, next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, 
you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.